0: You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG
2: for parental guidance.
1: Welcome to the Sonic Society, the world's largest running showcase of modern audio drama here on the Mutual Audio Network. This is our final episode of season 18, and I'm still Jack Ward, co-host to the amazing David
3: Ault. Good morning, David. (laughs) Good morning, Jack, and everyone. Well, being as this is the final episode of the season, don't you think we should talk a little about this year? Absolutely. You first. (laughs) Before we get into
1: the shows... Overall, do you feel like it was as difficult as the last couple of years or that it was somewhat less or somewhat more?
3: Uh, It's certainly been nice to be able to get back to normal. I feel the same way, yeah. I went to um, Comic-Con back in, was it October or November last year, down in London, which was an amazing event. And just a few weeks ago, we uh, kicked off season three of Shadows at the Door with the uh, first episode live in Newcastle Castle, which was uh, very nice to to meet some of our listeners. Someone even came all the way over from Wyoming. Wow. For the weekend. That's amazing. Just to see it. That's amazing. Which was just, which was incredible and, and so touching. So, yes, it's been very nice to get back to normal, to start meeting up with everyone. Oh, and of course, Mark and I went to LuxCon in Luxembourg. Oh, wow. And uh, had a wonderful uh, weekend in Luxembourg back in April. Oh, wow. So, yes, it's been been really nice to to get back into the real world a bit. That's great. You've been around a lot and
1: spending a lot of time with family, too, Mm -hmm, which has sort mm -hmm. of kept you busy, too, for that reason
3: absolutely yes
1: and god knows i for the last two years have been spending a long time on my masters and that's Mm. uh, consumed Mm. everything including taking away from any work i could do with MadCon last summer thank you Mm. again so much everybody who threw in help for that that was incredible that was great i think that for me this the year is most dotted by the amount of people that i got to meet and to be working with. Mm -hmm. For example, John Barber from Reimagine Radio. We played him a couple of times on the Sonic Society, and uh, his stuff is great. And he's out of Washington, Washington Mm -hmm. State. And uh, I think it's like Vancouver, Washington, which always throws me because I think of (laughs) Vancouver, (laughs) British Columbia. Another one that I've been a real big fan of is Tom Conkle's uh, work. He's from the Mindstream Players, and uh, he's a writer-producer out of Hollywood. And I think I kind of identified last year that the uh, pandemic gave us a, a whole new phase in the audio drama community. And that was a bunch of out of work actors who were desperate to keep their skills up mm. sort of jumped on and started doing audio drama themselves. So you'll have a bunch of people who normally wouldn't know anything about uh radio drama or audio drama as I, I maybe not know about it, but not anything about the modern audio drama sort of, discover our community and so Tom's been fantastically involved and his reasonably amazing adventures of Flash Gordon are hilarious <laughs> reworkings, if you've ever heard them. He's done some really funny stuff. And I had him uh, in, uh, more recently, last year's Sonic Summerstock, when when we did Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I had him in that role uh, with me when I was playing it last year at the end of Sonic Summerstock. And that was a lot of fun to be uh, on the Zoom stage at the same time mm, <laughs> as uh, yes. This is one of the problems of you being four hours earlier i i've really come to love and it's funny lothar and i have this discussion all the time he prefers you know the sort the satellite throwing the lines and that and i and i used to enjoy that as well but i much prefer working online with people and recording our things separately a it makes it easier for me to edit later but Mm, but mm -hmm. b i just i work better off the energy of the actors around me so Mm. i feel much more engaged when when we can do it live how about you do you have a preference
3: for that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of the time because I've I've got used to satellite. Um, right. Uh, because I, I started out, gosh, a long time ago now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I, I've always been used to that, and just getting a script and doing the script, sending it back. And I've done some recording with people. I, I remember doing recording with you and and with everyone. Uh, It was really nice to listen back to some of the old uh, stuff that you've been putting out uh, and and, and hearing... Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I guess that's and, a
1: new thing too. Like I, I've, I recently yeah. went back to Sonic Cinema Productions and released mm-hmm. something directly as a new Sonic Cinema Production show. Yeah, a couple of things have come out now for that. So, and mm-hmm. and you've got a chance since I've been updating it. uh sorry, because of the storm or the firestorm, I'm a little behind. So I'm gonna go back up and throw a bunch more up. I have them all planned out. I just haven't uploaded <laughs> them yet. So, but you've ha- any of those have been your favorites? Oh well, I the I, if I can. say at the jack and shannon show oh no of course you can that's thank it's, you it's, yeah that's a lot of people's favorites yeah. which is is so funny for me even the actors at the time it was really mm. a special show the actors at the time loved it i've had a couple of actors go you know you know what my favorite thing that we did <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and the weird thing is is i never thought that i the kind of person who can write comedy and mm. all of those scripts were written literally with the actors waiting at the on the couch so like <laughs> i was very last minute well what can i do what can i think about it a bit of course but i just wrote like crazy and it was fun it was a fun mm, time for mm, those yeah. so they, they weren't well produced in any way shape or form my production skills are pretty terrible in some places but yeah they were a lot of fun for sure
3: yes yeah, so, I, so I, that, that was actually one of my first times of recording with people Mm. And, and when we did Soul Survivor oh, when we did Soul Survivor that brilliant. was uh, that was amazing
1: honorable mention for the ogle award by the way there you go oh, there you so yeah. that thank you very much for that that was 2010
3: <laughs> can you believe it was, that yes when i came over 13 and stayed years. on your couch for a week Oh yeah, and it just
1: yeah, that was when we solidified a lifelong friendship. I yeah, hope. Absolutely, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far so good. <laughs> yeah. No. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yes. That that was yeah. So there's a lot of like big Big changes in this past year, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to more. As uh, I like, right now, as we speak, the Mutual Audio Network server is being sort of recreated, and that will open up a, a whole plethora of stuff, which will be really cool. Uh, and I I mm. can't really get into it because it, it sounds very technical. But honestly, I hope that everybody, and I'll be giving you an, an account and everything, but I'll, I'm hoping Ooh. everybody will have. We'll get accounts um, because the amount of tools, you'll be able to do things like start a project and see it go all the way to completion, including adding in a script, deciding upon actors, having the actors mm. respond to you, all sort of on the same portal kind of thing. Ooh, and like uh, I'm actually working on even building a little script program so you can do the script writing online or or whatever you want. So can have sort of universal script writing opportunities mm. as well so there's mm-hmm. a bunch of really cool things of course there's the app which is hopefully going to come sometime this year we're still working on that and that will take the main feed mm-hmm. and make it the netflix of audio drama dare i as say as long as it works on my nokia 301 i don't mind Oh, nokia 301 wow that's cool oh, so this it yeah. nokia <laughs> works as a as an android kind of nope No, it's 10 years old. (laughs) It may not. (laughs) You may be able to get it through the webpage, but that's be about it. (laughs) You won't be able to download that for sure. Anyway. Yeah. So that's good. And, um, oh, there was a bunch of shows, of course, that I listened to that I loved. I, I was a huge fan of Genius that just came out about a month and a bit ago for us. Mm. That was like one of my favorite finds. Did you? That's the one where it's sort of a Sherlock Holmes kind of crossover where Moriarty's sister is all engaged in the Mm. whole thing. That was fantastic. I just love that show. Yeah, there's a bunch of the ones that I've... The lucky thing is, is driving back and forth to the cabin, I get to even re-listen to the shows and and listen to them more clearly. (laughs) So... I'm just so darn grateful as I am every year that I, I just, I'm always stunned by the fact that at around season three till about season seven or eight, I didn't know if we'd ever have enough content every year. <laughs> Can you imagine? And then, and then it was really literally when you started coming aboard. And so when you say season 10, it was like a freight train. So I, I read, not season 10, maybe season seven or something like that, that you came aboard, things started just, people sort of said, oh, this is a really cool thing. But, you know, people laugh when I tell them the truth is like there mm. was a real possibility that this would have died off. Mm. Like a yes. serious and, and possibility. And,
3: and just everything is, there are so many podcasts now yeah. and audio drama. It really is a golden age. absolutely. And with the, the last three years and where everyone has been stuck at home and, and wanting to do something, there's been loads of podcasts uh, that have come out from that as well Absolutely. a few yeah. that i've been in things like uh, woebegone which is a joyful time traveling horror mystery queer thing it's uh, cool. it's one of those very difficult ones to to pin down as, as in terms of genre uh malevolent started oh uh, that was awesome uh, the too. seller letters so I, I was in an episode of the seller letters i have not uh, heard that one. Oh, storage story. paper yeah, yeah there's loads of them and right. yeah there's just so many and and another one that i that has recently come out uh that i recorded sometime last year homicide at heaven's gate oh i've uh, heard of that yes yes because that's uh, by sentinel studios and right. i think it was through this that i think i got involved with it Oh, uh, and we play so,
1: Sentinel on Tuesday Terror, and they're ah, awesome.
3: They're so yes. much fun. Do do these people seek you out, or do you still throw out your they, name on uh, things, or uh, a bit of both? Really, of both? Sentinel Studios they sought me, and they Wonderful. they got in contact and said, "We've got this part for you," and so that's that's how that came about. The Six Degrees of David Alt. I'm telling you, folks. <laughs> it's all part of my my plan to be on every single podcast in the entire... <laughs> I'm going to say this, and I won't
1: say the person's name because I don't want to embarrass them, but I got to, I put out a whole thing to, for anyone who want to be interested in in MadCon. Mm. And then I uh, put it out or say anyone who wanted to be involved, right? And I said, you know, tell anybody it's going to be for Europe and the UK and stuff like that. And a, a lovely actress friend of mine, wrote, you might want to contact this person who creates this person. And David Alt is another talent out of the UK. And so... <laughs> And so another friend of mine sent me a a message and said, you should really meet this guy, David all He's quite good. And I thought, (laughs) so it's one of those, you know, tell me you've never heard the Sonic Society without saying you've never heard the Sonic Society. (laughs)
3: That's one of those things. I was
1: just thinking that. Exactly. So, and hey, no harm, no foul. Nobody has to listen to the show and I know she's busy as heck involved on so many different things. But um, I just thought it was a little funny. So I said, I sort of n- nudged her back and sort of said, you might want to listen to the show. <laughs> just <laughs> Start at the end of season seven and then we'll right. go from move there. upwards from there. <laughs> oh, no, I, there's so many people that, you know, that I, I have to thank and uh, you're at the top of the list. And I, I just really, oh. that's, I, every year, every year, I, I Every think, year, yes. <laughs> every year I sit there and I go, will, will he will he want to come back next year?
3: <laughs> well, you you are going to be all um all swanky in your new job and everything. Come, oh, I'll have so much time now with my 19, new job. Jack. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be is- I'll be ringing up asking if i can scrape your boots oh gosh no 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 i'll have so much time <laughs>
1: that i'll actually write more scripts that i can actually have you in which is what i'm Hooray! excited for <laughs> yeah there's been so many people too that have contacted me that's like how do i get involved in in you know there's one guy specifically i just you know how can i get involved and in? so this is another aspect of the mutual website I'm, I'm hoping that people will be able to add in like put in their information in the form say what they want to be involved in and then they'll be part of a sort of a global database in the Mm. mutual hidden behind the mutual thing and anyone Mm. who is uh, a member can sit there and take a look and see what shows they've been in within mutual uh Mm. take a look at some examples of what they've done uh as as voice acting and see how to contact them about shows and so it's a great way for people to you know get cast a great way for people to draw together super people to do everything from you know writing to voice acting to producing to post production and 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 more. So I'm so excited about the future. I'm mm. I've been writing like crazy since <laughs> and I'm not even done my school year yet. I I shouldn't be. <laughs> but I'm just I'm I'm so pumped and uh it shows uh I can see the writings coming out really really well. So Excellent. that has been fun. And of course, we have MadCon coming up next month, mm-hmm. and we started sort of just last week. We just started uh, the ball rolling. Next week, we'll try to identify specifically all the panels and and workshops that people and the roundtables that people can get involved in, and we'll go around seeing if we can find people to to fill those those various different uh, roles, mm-hmm. and that'll be. A lot of fun. Well, in the meantime, I really look forward to even season 20. Season 20, yes. Yeah. Yes, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that next year. We'll talk year, about we? that. We'll talk about that next year. But I have plans. We've talked about them. i have. I'm dedicated to them, you know, bar some other great global emergency. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, mm-hmm. that all this will happen kind of thing.
3: But yes, we should get going with our final features. We really should. Before attacking season 20, we really should get through season 19 and finish off season 18. What the we? heck, eh? We'll do it all at once. Yes. And this week's finale is... Midsty, three mischievous narrators spin a surreal, reality-bending, sci-fantasy space western about a crotchety outlaw, a struggling cultist, and a diabolical bastard making awful decisions in a world on the edge of disaster. Ugh try saying that when you're drunk and our season finale begins right here (laughs) on the sonic society talk about bending different genres
0: (laughs) yes absolutely it doesn't occur to any of these people that the moon is about to fall out of the
2: sky and let's be honest here why would it they're distracted there's a lot going on and moons obviously don't usually do anything so dramatic
0: The pandemonium we're seeing in the streets right now is totally unrelated. Word of the big sale got out 30 minutes ago, and everyone in town is jockeying to get inside of the post office and cash in. This riot is ready to strike it rich. Except for the obolescent man, who already has. In all
2: the mayhem, no one's even noticing the guy in jagged glassy armor dragging a body out of a side street door, blood fresh and dripping from his spiked fist.
0: No one sees his panic or determination. No one notices, except the woman fighting her way against the current of the mob, leading a girl with her. She sees it stops and immediately makes an escape in the opposite direction pulling the protesting girl with her
2: the armored man looks up from the body at his feet he almost sees her go
0: he would have seen her if he the woman the opalescent man and everyone else hadn't just then looked straight up into the sky terrified by the sound a moon makes when it falls Nothing this far out in the desert. Nothing except for one small cabin of sorts. It's a sort of odd, handmade patchwork hovel home to just one person.
2: The person who lives here doesn't really care about design or coziness. She cares about utility and function. Currently, she is trapped in her cabin by a horrible monster.
0: More on that in a moment. She's not alone in the cabin. Her dog companion is here as well.
2: The dog's name isn't Companion.
0: No, it's Landlord. The dog's name is Landlord. You heard that right. Now that we're clear on that point... He's sort of a hound, sort of sitting there on his cushion, under the table. He lets out a little...
2: He's really old. He's kind of tired of this shit, to be honest. Lark, that's the woman's name. Uh, She's a kind of rangy, leathery, hawk-eyed Clint Eastwood type. If Clint Eastwood had dreadlocks and was a woman. So Lark is putting a blindfold on Landlord. It's not the first time this has happened, and he puts up with it with this kind of resigned tiredness.
0: It's a safety precaution. It's in his best interests. He's been used as bait. He's been used as a guard dog. He's even been used from time to time, though rarely, as a friend. Lark doesn't really have many friends. She would laugh at you if you suggested that Landlord was her friend. Landlord is her dog. He's not even her dog. He's a dog. He lives in the hut. She lives in the hut. They're both here right now, in the dark, both in danger.
2: And there's a blinding outside.
0: Off in the distance, in the strange darkness that has texture to it outside the window, there's a creature, a large, gray, possibly beast, lumbering slowly across the plain beyond her house.
2: It has vaguely the form of a horse Or maybe a really large dog, like a Great Dane or something. But with strange, gripping claws on the ends of its legs, not hooves or paws. And its skin hangs loosely off of its bones. It really seems rather emaciated, but has this abundance of loose, pebbly, disgusting skin. Like like elephant skin hanging off of a dying horse. It's gross. And its head is even worse.
0: Up a long, sinuous neck that reaches up to peer above the desert is a blooming, morning-glory-like mantle, a hooded frill. Flashes of light emit from tiny little barbs that emerge, that jut out from the center of this. The lights spackle the desert terrain, projecting into the dark, Reflecting off of metal edges, sheet metal contours on Lark's shed, jack, house, hut. It's on the wrong side of the house, she thinks. Shit. She has a lantern in one hand. A hooded lantern with a trigger-activated lever. She's rigged it up herself. It has a tiny little spring attached. She can pop this hood open and shut. She is currently crouched down back to the wall underneath one of the very few windows that she has in her hut. She is inside, waiting for the right moment, and realizing that the blinding is in the wrong place, carefully keeping her eyes shut to prevent any reflection. Extend an arm, raises the lantern, Clicks the lantern open and shut, creating a flash, attracting the blinding's attention.
2: The blinding seems to have become fixated on the glass of the window pane on this side of her house, the window that she is currently crouching under. She should have prepared for that, of course, but, well, this is the situation now, and she's going to have to deal with it. She reaches
0: out, giving Landlord a reassuring pat, reassuring him. She's fine. She doesn't care. She's done this before. In fact, she's so practiced at having hunted this particular variety of beast, she has prepared a lavish banquet for it. In the front yard, a cow carcass lying there awaiting her prey. A cow is a good word for it. It may not be a cow in the strictest sense it's similar to a cow it has it has things in common with a cow eyes principally being the most important in this case
2: the eyes are Dead, but wide open, staring, and most importantly, still glassy and reflective.
0: She has attempted to make it extra visible by carving its eyelids off. If only the
2: blinding could see them.
0: Anyway, back to the case of getting it around to the other side of the house. Lark, casting her eyes about the interior of her cabin, sees the small table that Landlord is currently crouched beneath, the few belongings that she has meticulously gathered over the course of her years here, small survival materials and so on, and identifies a shelf of some drying glassware hanging outside of the window on her front stoop. The blinding's lights, sort of a visual echolocation, photolocation maybe is the right term. Maybe we'll get lucky and that will be the right term. Its lights are beaming through the window just above her head, reflecting around in the interior of her cabin. It is pacing closer and closer through the darkness across the desert, zeroing in on her position. And now is her chance its lights are through the window it is looking inside of her cabin and she flashes her lantern across the space not out the window across the space at the glassware which glimmers the blinding moves with blinding speed she instantly feels a change in the blinding's anatomy its musculature going rigid there's sort of a small tremor that passes in the intervening space between the blinding and her house and as its foot pads come ever closer and begin to skirt round the cabin. She knows that her efforts have paid off. She also knows she's running out of time. The darkness inside her hut. Let's make this very clear. The darkness is outside because it is dark. The darkness is also inside. And we don't mean that in the sense that it is dark in both places. We mean that literally the darkness is inside of her hut. The darkness in this desert is not like any darkness you've ever known. It's more of a fog. It is a physical presence. It is dark matter hanging in the air. And this dark presence, this fog, is starting to retreat. It is soon to be day. And the moment it is, the blinding is gone. She will have lost it. So there's no time to waste. She is on the move across the hut, heading to the front door.
2: She slips through it silently she's moving with precision but speed there's not a moment to lose she's pulling something out of her pocket it's a glove a red glove there's only one like it anywhere
0: the blinding's horrible live form towers over the corpse of the cow in the yard its large mantle frill currently open, the glowing pneumaticists of its internal sensory organs extended. A light flashes from the tip of one and reflecting off of the glassy eye of the cow, that same pneumaticist plunges in through the open ocular orbit of the beast.
2: Mm, there's nothing quite like the sound of a blinding's barbs plunging into a dead creature's eyeballs.
0: Or not necessarily even dead. Unfortunately, usually not dead.
2: Lark is still approaching the blinding from behind, walking up to it calm as you please, pulling on this red glove onto her left hand. It's a strange glove, definitely handmade, hand-stitched seams running along it. The blinding eats very quickly. The cow is already starting to look a bit dried out, a bit desiccated, and the blinding's frill is wide open. Since Lark is behind it, she can see through the translucent flesh, the blue-white glimmers of its bioluminescence.
0: Flashing with pleasure.
2: She reaches the creature's flank, reaches out, and strokes it, as casually as if she were to give her dog a pack.
0: Instantly, she can feel the skin of the creature attempt seize up under her hand. Normally, a blinding, if confronted with violence, will react, its skin hardening into a carapace-like armor, protecting itself. This causes the creature to not be worth quite as much once it has been processed
2: it also makes it near impossible to take down by more conventional means in case you were wondering why lark simply didn't charge up to it with a shotgun which would be her normal way of doing things
0: no she hunts them with her glove touching them gently and putting them to sleep
2: already The blinding's muscles are contracting. It retracts its barbs from its meal and attempts to turn its head around to attack, but its reflexes are becoming sluggish already. Her red
0: glove is still firmly in contact with its haunch. The muscle around that point of contact, beginning to seizure and tremor very gently.
2: The creature's back legs buckle underneath it. She continues to walk forward, stroking her gloved hand up the blinding's flank. The front legs fall.
0: The glowing tips of the barbs are flashing in a sort of chaotic, disorderly pattern, slowly dimming.
2: And they begin to wink out, one by one, going dull.
0: Within minutes, the blinding is dead. And Lark, wasting no time, cuts it open.
2: She's mostly interested in the skin. The meat of a blinding is no good to anyone.
0: Disgusting. It's good to a few people, but she doesn't care about those people.
2: No, it's the skin with its remarkable transforming and protective qualities that is particularly valuable, but only if it is freshly skinned from a recently dead blinding.
0: Landlord comes wandering out of the door of the house having somehow extricated himself from his blindfold. That's bad. If he'd done that earlier, that might have been a severe problem. Lark's heart does a tiny somersault. Not that no, she doesn't care about the dog. It's Whatever. She does. She actually she actually does. She has she has a very slightly soft heart. She would never tell you any of this, which is why we are telling you. Landlord, coming forward, is delighted to find a pile of blinding viscera, and begins snuffling in it joyously.
2: He's one of the things to which a blinding's meat is not totally disgusting. Lark wrinkles her nose at the sight, and continues with her work. As Lark works busily with her knife,
0: The gray darkness of the night thins, slightly, going hazy, and then abruptly is gone, instant brilliant daylight. This dawn is like arriving in Oz. Red rocks, green succulents, a bright, vibrant desert. A vast curtain of obsidian fog slides back, exposing the landscape, a sheer wall of darkness Retracting laterally, spanning from land to sky, horizon to horizon, like an opaque ocean of ink, draining sideways, translating smoothly, its face phasing through plants, rocks, Lark's cabin, through Lark.
2: There it goes. The night. On the move gliding silently away
0: Lark doesn't even notice she's busy carving up a monster this happens every day
2: she's not the sort to appreciate unrise and unset every day from the outside of the darkness it has a definite reflective edge you can't see through it it's like obsidian utterly impenetrable gliding away from her over this incredible landscape dotted with enormous succulent plants the size of trees and huge redstone formations.
0: Tiny desert critters. Lizards slither away. A couple of odd birds, a few mirror hawks, concerned by the sudden bright light escaping back into the darkness that they prefer.
2: There is no sun. The sky itself is the source of luminance. A bright, pure, dazzling white.
0: The curtain of darkness stretching away across the landscape. Suddenly, passes over a tremendous hill a glorious summit
2: this huge red hill a mountain almost dominates the horizon
0: and a rough path trails off from lark's cabin connecting with a distant road a road snaking toward the hill.
2: She's already loading up the blinding's carcass onto her vehicle, we'll call it for now. It's a sort of motorcycle. It's sort of motorcycle.
0: Sort of a monocycle. It has one large wheel. It has a small sidecar. She's throwing the grim heap of blinding flesh into the sidecar. A gruesome passenger. Gesturing, she attempts to send Landlord back inside. He doesn't notice, he doesn't care, so she doesn't care either. And, firing up her cycle, wheels it out from an awning attached to her hunt. She wheels off, cruising down the main road. Her destination, the craggy mountain in the distance, peppered by buildings. There's a town there that's where she will sell the skin. And on high, above the mountain, above Lark on her cycle, there hovers, oppressively, the moon... Thank you for listening. New episodes of Midst are available every Wednesday on Midst.co on your preferred podcast, app, or platform, and on Critical Role's YouTube channel.
2: If you would like to unlock more episodes, have an ad free experience, and access rich, lore expanding bonus content, go to Midst.co to become a paid subscriber.
0: You can also follow us on social media at Midst Podcast for announcements and conversation. And please rate and review to help the story continue. Thank you. In the desert, there is a hill. Almost a mountain, officially a hill. And on the hill, there is a town.
2: A chaotic assembly of clapboard houses and adobe homes clustered around the spindly metal tower with a cable stretching off into the sky. A single main road winding along the spine of the mountain forming the nucleus of the town where the concentration is highest, people milling about their daily business, a particular man weaving his way through them.
0: The man is deft, adroit, sharp-looking, bowler hat on the top of his head, briefcase under an arm, shopping bag in his other hand. He is arriving now at his destination, his purpose clear in his mind. He has one task and one task
2: only. Blackmail.
0: This man is Atticus Concord. He's a dandy sort of fellow, as we mentioned. The bowler hat, the suit, the briefcase, the shopping bag. The shopping bag is unrelated. He was out getting something for his sister, who he'll be visiting later. He is a sharp-looking guy. There's a slight edge of creepiness to him. Clearly you already find him creepy because you know his mission now. As he proceeds down the street, uh, the other residents of Stationary Hill cast their eyes his way. He sort of sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb, but a sore thumb in a suit. Let's just be clear about that.
2: Like a really attractive sore thumb. Yeah, he has
0: that self-assured, confident, vaguely theatrical, on-stage sort of quality. There is a slight edge to him, a slight creepiness. There is something not entirely quite right. There is more going on than meets the eye, and you would sense that if you talked to him. He's not talking to anyone now. He's making a beeline for the front door of his destination, the Black Candle Cabaret.
2: Ah, uh, what a sight it is amongst these other dusty and sort of worn-down buildings in Stationary Hill. This place has class. At least it's trying to have class. It has class.
0: It actually does. Fake it till you make it, right? This place has done that precisely and has come a long way. It is today, here in the bright unlight of Stationary Hill, a cool and mysterious venue amongst all these other ramshackle buildings. The whole building is mostly the facade, at least, painted a kind of glossy black.
2: Mm, in many ways, it imitates the surface of the fold when you're looking at it from the on.
0: Atticus Concord is not impressed. He's not here to be impressed. He is here to do business, and he opens the door, and goes inside.
2: It's not open right now, but the door was unlocked, and he lets himself in, as though he had every right in the world to be there. Inside is such a contrast to the dusty, red, blazing street outside. Immediately, he's engulfed in velvety, cocooning darkness.
0: An intimate darkness. Curtains as though the ribs of a giant whale.
2: A very plush, luxurious whale that had been outfitted by a top-of-the-line interior designer at some point.
0: So we're inside of a whale, sort of. The rafters are a kind of luscious backbone, a kind of strange velvet maw going back, drapes separating regions of seating. There are small tables. This is a nice upscale supper club. The tables have little candles on them. Where else are you going to find that in Stationary Hill? There are actually about two other places, but this is the nightclub, which makes it automatically better.
2: It's black and navy blue and royal purple, dotted with glimmering little lanterns hung up in the curtains. Atticus Concord makes his way down the central aisle towards the bar.
0: There's a sort of receptionist fellow, a maitre d'. He has no clear job title. He doesn't even know what his job is. He just works here and he talks to people. And he, approaching Atticus, says, Sir, we're not actually open. I have an appointment, as a matter of fact, Atticus Concord says. I'm here to see uh, Mr. Weep, and I believe it is Saskia? Is that correct? Saskia, yes. Yes, they should be expecting me. Of course, your name? Concord. Atticus Concord. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. Mr. Concord, why don't you have a seat at the bar? I will just go check. Not that I don't trust you. It's just that, you know, we are not open, and we weren't, I wasn't informed. He doesn't informed. trust him. This fellow does not like a man in a suit, even though he sees many every single day. He hates a lot of people. He is a hateful and angry person. He has a drug problem. We'll get into, that. Where we're not actually gonna get into, it. you know what, let's not even talk about that. Let's just go back to Concord, who is more than happy to sidle over to the bar and occupy himself while this young bastard wanders off to verify his meaning.
2: The bar occupies the very center of the Black Candle Cabaret, one side facing the front door, the other side facing the stage, which you can't see from here.
0: And Concord is, in fact, not the only person to situate himself at the bar. Not only is there the bartender opposite him, a stately, statuesque sort of man, but... Also, a very young girl sketching just there, sitting at the bar. There is no drinking age in Stationary Hill. If there were one, she would surely not meet it. Why she's hanging out here, Concord does not know. Concord does not care. He, addressing the bartender, orders a drink. Looking from the girl to the bartender, Concord perceives, being a very perceptive fellow... They must be related, the bartender approaches. Can I fix you something to drink? Oh, don't mind if I do. I would say uh, something a little bit on the light side, a little bit refreshing. Hot out today, you know. Just, um, I don't know. Do you have any kind of a, something with tonic, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Coming right up, the bartender answers amiably. Whatever you want. I defer to your professional judgment.
2: The bartender invents something for him, mixes up a light, honey-colored refreshment of some kind, bubbling with tonic water. Slides it across the counter to him. It's
0: on the house. Ever heard you're here to meet with Mr. Weep and Saskia? The bartender says. Yes, that's correct. I'm very excited to make their acquaintance. We've heard rather a lot about them, where I'm from.
2: Oh, and where's that?
0: Well, you know, my good man. Not really at liberty to say, Concord says.
2: Ah, oh, say no more, the bartender says with an understanding nod. A man of mystery. I get it.
0: Atticus Concord, after all, has a theory or two about this place, and locations where people are from is part of that. The host, descending from the balcony above the bar, beckons to Mr. Concord. You're welcome to come up, sir, unless you'd rather finish your drink? Oh, not at all. You can bring it up if you want. Let's get down to business, or up. Yeah, <laughs> right this way. Concord follows the host up the spiral staircase, flanking the bar. The bartender watches him go. The girl at the bar looks up and watches him briefly before returning to her sketch. She's drawing pictures of bottles. Concord follows the host up the stairs. The stairs wrapping around the back of the bar overlook the stage in the furthest interior of the cabaret. A small stage.
2: Atticus notices that the design of the cabaret mimics that of much fancier establishments on more populated islets. Midst, on the other hand, hasn't been around that long at all, and Stationary Hill is the only city of note on its surface. This might be the only nightclub on the entire islet.
0: It is, literally, just for your information.
2: On the darkened balcony, there is a single green glass lamp lit up over one table. Two people are sitting there. they are only silhouettes to Atticus right now.
0: The table, as you can see, is littered with documents, pieces of paper, ledgers, books, pens, pencils. The detritus... Of business. The other tables up here on the balcony, pristine, untouched, all set for tonight's entertainment. This one is an anomaly. A table turned into an office, apparently. Concord, following the host, begins to approach. But a figure stands up and comes to meet him.
2: He's treated to a graceful, curvaceous silhouette approaching him, and a dulcet voice greets him. Ah, oh, Mr. Atticus Concord, I assume. Saskia. She extends her hand.
0: The pleasure is mine, Atticus says, removing his hat. He bows slightly, takes her hand.
2: Two huge, glossy black dogs lounging on a large tuffet across the balcony raise their heads to watch him. Saskia is a beautiful woman, but not quite there. She doesn't quite latch onto him with a vivid gaze, the way Atticus is accustomed to so many of the women with whom he interacts. Saskia has a way of not quite paying attention to you specifically because she's paying attention to everything all at once her eyes are half-lidded sort of lazy kind of distracted she's one of those women who calls you dear and honey and it just seems all perfectly natural
0: concord is actually taking a little bit of back he was not prepared to find her so immediately and oddly likable he's prepared to blackmail her and yet feels almost just briefly guilty Nah, definitely not. Please,
2: come sit down, she invites him.
0: She leads Concord through the nest of tables over to her place of business. The one table occupied here on the balcony overlooking the stage, covered in papers where her companion sits, and her companion is a weird-looking guy. Let's pause here for a moment.
2: So this is Mark Weep. He's Saskia's business partner. And, um... He's a very indescribable sort of man, physically.
0: We are going to make every effort to describe him to you, because he is one of the primary protagonists of this story. You have already met at least one other. We will not tell you whom. It was Lark. We will tell you whom. Now you know.
2: So, this man, if we were going to be lazy about it, if we were going to use a kind of shorthand, we might say that he was completely opaque white, like a marble statue, bald. Featureless, pupil eyes. No variation at all. But that's not quite true. It's more like light doesn't interact with him properly.
0: Light simply does not know what to do with him. And this has the effect of making his entire body, every surface of his body, the interior of his mouth, his eyes, the skin beneath his fingernails, appear a strange opalescent ivory. And regarding all of this, Atticus Concord feels... Well, actually, not much of anything, because Atticus Concord is a cool guy and also a professional criminal.
2: He does not evidence any surprise. What a champ.
0: Mr. Weep, I presume. Atticus Concord extends a hand. And Mr. Weep, poring over his ledgers, filling in some figures, removing a c- cigarette, a cigar from his mouth, tapping it in the ashtray, extends... A spidery hand toward Concord, not making eye contact, draping it into Concord's embrace, barely making purchase on his hand, simply says, "Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Saskia has already reseated herself and inclines her head for Atticus to do the same at the third chair there at the table.
0: I've almost finished with my paperwork, Mr. Concord. Just have a seat. I'll be with the both of you in just one moment.
2: Yes, you'll have to excuse the mess. We were just doing a bit of bookkeeping before you arrived.
0: I was doing a bit of bookkeeping. Saskia was merely keeping me company, Mr. Weeb says, still not paying attention, scribbling some conclusion to his math to his arithmetic.
2: Well, that's not quite true, Weep. I was going over the choreography for tonight, you know that.
0: He looks up, his strange blank eyes regarding her.
2: Well, just because I don't have a piece of paper in front of me.
0: Concord is watching this funky dynamic. He puts his briefcase down beside him. He puts his shopping bag down on the other side of the chair.
2: Mock Weep's eyes light up. Well, they they do nothing, specifically. It's apparent that Mock Weep is looking at the shopping bag. Oh,
0: he says. Mr. Concord, you really shouldn't have. And gliding his bizarre spider grip around, makes purchase upon the shopping bag, and bringing it up onto the table...
2: Just plucks it out of Atticus's possession.
0: Not missing a beat, Concord says.
2: Of course.
0: A gift. Thank you so much for your time. I tremendously appreciate you seeing me on such short notice. Please, a gesture of my... Esteem. You're a really nice guy, Concord, he says, dumping the contents of the bag unceremoniously and somewhat roughly onto the table. The contents, of course, being a gift. Not intended for him, but for Concord's sister. Mr. Weep doesn't know, doesn't care.
2: Atticus's palms did start to sweat for just a moment as he was considering whether this gift that he purchased for his sister would make an appropriate offering for this very delicate business-slash-blackmail meeting.
0: It is some kind of small, absurd, hand-carved decorative nutcracker, which, let's be honest, as a gift for Concord's sister, is pretty shitty. Mr. Weep thinks it's terrific, though. (gasps) <gasps> he gasps. This is a really top-notch item, Concord. I don't know, how did you know that I really like things like this?
2: Is this really a nutcracker?
0: Concord, please tell us. I must know, Mr. Weep says, gazing avidly with his luminous owl eyes across the table.
2: Both of them seem breathless with anticipation for Attica's Concord's
0: answer. Absolutely. Do you have any nuts? You could give it a go. I don't know, you know, we used to have all those left over from the uh, Moors of the VIP, the... Yeah, let's call the down. fundraising thing. Sherman. Saskia has leaned over the railing to call down to the bar below.
2: Sherman, have you got any of those mixed nuts left from the, from the event uh, the night before last?
0: The voice comes up from below. Uh, no, afraid not. I think we, um... I th- didn't... He's about to say Mr. Weep, but he doesn't... Weren't they all eaten? Mr. Weep ate them all.
2: Mr. Weep knows he ate them all. This
0: is all part of a master plan. Yeah, there, no, I just checked. There's uh, there's no more in the cabinet here. Well, what do we pay you for, Sherman? Be creative. Bring me something else crunchy, you know. Uh, ice cubes or something.
2: There's a moment of silence. Yes, sir. Ice cubes coming right up. Hey, thanks.
0: At least I can crunch some damn thing with this. Wouldn't want your gift to go to waste, Concord, now would we? Mr. Weep says oscillating the cracker open and shut. This is pretty good, pretty smooth action. Anyway, I don't want to get too distracted here with this, though. I really am very excited. It's not every day I get an unsolicited present from some nice fella I've only just met. I'm glad you're excited about it, and I must say thank you again for your time. I... Truly appreciate you taking a moment out of your busy schedules to have a quick chat with me.
2: Well, we appreciate the letter of introduction you sent along ahead.
0: Yeah, that was really quite informative, Mr. Concord. I think we would waste a lot of time with you trying to explain to us why you're here. But I think I got a clear picture. So why don't you just lay it on us, all right? Let's not waste any time. Tell us the story. Why are you here today? Absolutely. Well, as someone involved in the human resources uh, industry, I work with a number of different organizations to help uh, facilitate employees and uh, actually transfer of talent between different institutions Mm, yep i think i grasp as much from your letter mr concord mr Weeb is puffing on a cigarette and also having a drink of something with his other hand simultaneously while also brandishing the nutcracker
2: the girl from the bar comes up the stairs at this point with a basket of ice cubes she's got an incredulous look on her face edges towards the table, puts the ice cubes down, and looks at Mr. Weep.
0: Hey, yeah, that's just the thing. Thanks a bunch. See you later. Mr. Weep waves her off,
2: and he begins forthwith
0: to crunch ice cubes. They shatter across the table, spewing out over the floor.
2: He seems supremely satisfied.
0: He is not distracted. He continues to listen with attention, to Concord's story. The Black Candle Cabaret, of all locations on Midst, has a, a bit of a reputation, a very positive one, I might add, but. Really glad to hear that, Concord. Coming from you.
2: Yes, really. That's
0: pretty nice. And principally because of your talent.
2: Yes, well, we do take pride in our hiring decisions.
0: I feel as though I would be able to help represent your interests, both in acquiring additional talent and perhaps moving some of those you may uh, currently employ. I'm not sure if that's something that you're looking for, the current state of your operation here, but I just wanted to present that as an option. Well, you know Concord, as a man in your line of work I'm sure it's very clear to you that uh, any place of business is only he looks at Saskia, looks back to Concord, as good as the people it employs and so therefore here at the Black Candle Cabaret, Saskia and I are very interested in employing only the best of the best and that's why we often turn to employment agencies to help us find the right candidates, if you know what I
2: mean. Yes, there are a few employment agencies that we have established relationships with.
0: Okay, let's step back for just one moment. This is not a conversation about employment agencies. This is not even really a conversation about hiring. This is a conversation about something entirely more secretive and illegal, and all of them, here at this table right now, know this.
2: Concord is trying to learn what he needs to know to blackmail them later on. He's just maneuvering right now. The blackmail, that's not taking place yet.
0: They carry on their veiled dialogue, proceeding jauntily. Mr. Weep Cracking ice cube after ice cube.
2: Saskia smiling lazily, indulgently, never meeting anyone's eye.
0: Concord lays out his case. He represents an organization with quite a few excellent candidates who would be prime for placement here at the Black Candle Cabaret. The Black Candle Cabaret would, theoretically, if all conditions are met, be interested in employing them. Mr. Weep takes all this in, smoking his cigarette, sipping his cognac, cracking the ice cubes. Saskia listens dreamily, staring off into space as Concord lays out his particulars, and then, putting the capstone on his delivery, presents the paperwork. I've taken the liberty of drawing up a few pieces of uh, general information outlining what I have in mind. Here, he produces copies, one for Saskia, one for Weep. Oh, be still, my heart. First you bring me presents, then you butter me up with a lot of nice things about my place, and now you brought me legal documents? This guy, this guy's got a special place in my heart.
2: Saskia takes both the copies of the document and slides them across the table, positioning one in front of her and one in front of Mr. Weep. Who doesn't look at it?
0: If there's anything I like in life, Mr. Concord, Weep breathes almost seductively. It's a little spooky. It's an airtight contract or business. I think we'll get to be good friends, you and I. Oh, yes, Mr. Concord. I don't even think... I think we've jumped straight to the best buddies stage. Ice cubes go shattering across the floor. He's almost burned through all of them. But you know what? Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, my good buddy. We're gonna have to read these papers somewhat thoroughly. Well, I'll be staying in Stationary Hill with my sister for a few days. Um, if you would like, I could return at some point for a further conversation on this subject.
2: I think that would be a wonderful idea. So, Saskia, there's a show tonight, in fact, if you come back during business hours, that I think you would enjoy very much. Yeah, it's pretty nice. There'd be some. There's a lot
0: of music uh, singing. You might even like the later on there, a couple of women maybe take off some of their clothes. It is a cabaret. That kind of does happen from time to time, but it's been happening a lot less lately, Mister Regarding Saskia, and I think it's been a little bit detrimental to our business practice. We try to bill ourselves, Concord, as a sophisticated establishment, which means a little bit less nudity, right? The nudity is not inherently a classy activity, but anytime we try to tone it down, few people show up, our income is reduced, I have all these problems with the papers, so...
2: It's a delicate balance.
0: You can't really be a cabaret without the cabaret, but we still have some of that. So, you come by tonight, there will be a long line because of the nudity, right? Maybe you're going to be able to get in, maybe you're not. You're not a VIP yet, you're no kind of business partner, so can't give you any sort of preferential treatment. You can't come in early There's no side door. You're going to have to come in with everybody else.
2: Yes, tonight would not be a good opportunity for another business discussion, you understand, but I think it's a good idea if you come around as often as you can and see how things work around here, if you're serious about a partnership. You're
0: going to ring up business with us, Mr. Concord? Mr. Weave says again, giving Atticus Concord his strange, full, opaque attention. You're going to have to learn to work on our schedule. We were coming to you. We would wait for you. But since you're coming to us, you're going to wait for us. And I just want to be clear about one thing, Mr. Concord. Mr. Weep's hand comes spidering across the table, taking Concord's. That, of course, if you're fucking with us, we're going to fucking kill you.
2: Saskia blinks dreamily.
0: Just to be very clear, we're on the same page, a lot of transparency,
2: mutually
0: beneficial relationship, right? That's what this is, that's why you bring the gifts, you butter me up, you even brought the papers, so... I have no concerns. I think we have an understanding. Damn straight we do, Mr. Concord. And that being said, we got all this vacuum cleaning to do and uh, somebody really made a mess up here. But I think you've said your piece.
2: Yes, sorry to shoo you along, but we do have to get ready for that show I mentioned.
0: I look forward to dinner then. Until later. Concord stands up, dons his hat, and shows himself back down the stairs. Uh, thanks again for the nutcracker. It's pretty cool. Mr. We hollers after him, waving.
2: Hope to see you again soon
0: concord departs presently wasting no time he has precisely what he needs he has the answer he came looking for he's gone out into the street making his way somewhere to find a replacement gift for his sister and inside the cabaret mr weep saskia regard each other well mr weep says god knows how to ask the right questions
2: gonna have to keep an eye on that one i think
0: well he'll be back i think he's gonna be hanging around quite a bit we're going to be building a pretty nice relationship. And, you know, if he keeps bringing me all this shit... Mr. Weep throws the nutcracker on the table. I think we're going to get along just fine.
2: I hope his contacts are everything he says they are.
0: Me too. I'd hate to rub him out. Well, why don't you go set everything up?
2: Yes, it's about time. I'll leave you to it.
0: She whispers off down the stairs. And Mr. Weep on the balcony by himself. Regards the contract. Tears up the contract. Takes a puff of his cigarette picks up the nutcracker, and cracks the last ice cube. Thank you for listening. New episodes of Midst are available every Wednesday on Midst.co, on your preferred podcast app or platform, and on Critical Role's YouTube channel.
2: If you would like to unlock more episodes, have an ad-free experience, and access rich, lore-expanding bonus content, go to Midst.co to become a paid subscriber. Follow us on social media at Midst Podcast for
0: announcements and conversation. Please rate and review to help the story continue. Thank you.
3: And that's this week's show and the end of this season. Please check for Midstie in our show notes and links at sonicsociety.org and send us a note at sonicsociety or at davidalt on Twitter to tell us your favourites in this past 18th season. Whatever will we do next week, David? Well, Jack, the tickets are booked and the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse has already been aired and used as mutual stage productions have already begun. I am heading out early to start the new season, our 14th, for next week. And it will be a barn burner. The amigos present Oh no, no the- don't, don't don't spoil mm? me yet. I, I want to be surprised. Well, you're in it, so you shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, even more so.
1: Until we begin our <laughs> Sonic until we begin our Sonic Summer Thank you so much, everyone. And especially again, thank you, David, for another amazing year. Can't wait for the next season to close as it gets us that much closer to our special Gala Season 20 in. England. What? What? England? What? <laughs> that's right. I would like but to I'm... travel to merry old England in but I'm August. moving to Canada next year. What? <laughs> well, you can come to Canada next year and I'll go to England. The... <laughs>
3: yeah, that's fine. And we'll still do this via Skype. And I'll get to Scotland before you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> oh. Thank you, Jack. And thank you all. Have a lovely week and we will see you next week in the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Have a wonderful day. Take care, everyone, and be safe. Absolutely.
0: Suboptimal. They must be stopped at all costs. I think I speak for all mankind when I say the evil plan
1: must continue.
0: <laughs> yes, it must.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, we have set up a trap for these agents and they will be dealt with soon enough don't leave me
3: just listen i'm just gonna count one of them no wait okay why haven't they
0: reported in for the past two days two of your agents have been injured in the line of duty
2: Josh, are you okay?
3: Uh,
0: miss, uh, Miss, can you please
3: step back?
2: Say something comforting to Josh. Uh, better you than me?
0: Many <gasps> believe Wordtastic Podcast to be the greatest podcast of all time. And season two bears no exception. We'll have more action. More laughs.
3: What is wrong with those?
2: More drama! Get More! More!
1: More!
2: man, we did it! We did it! Oh, we're
1: alive!
2: For now, kid agents. For now.